This is the Red on Red podcast on redfm.ie. This week on the podcast, we're talking with Quarter Block Party Coordinator and Southern Hospitality Board member, Keelan Sherlock, a.k.a. St. Keelan.
Yankee with Are You All Right and Hugh Dillon with Harbour. This is Red on Red, Cork's new music podcast dropping every Wednesday via redfm.ie as well as iTunes, Google Podcasts and other podcast platforms. My name is Mike McGrath-Brien and for the next hour or so we're going to be chatting in studio with Quarter Block Party Coordinator, Southern Hospitality Board Member and Ordained Saint, <laughs> Keelan Sherlock. Keelan, how's it going, bud? Self-ordained. Self-ordained Saint. Yeah. You've been keeping relatively quiet over the summer like you've been helping out with the Quiet Lights Festival that happened this past weekend but other than that it's been kind of heads down and getting on with the rock and roll isn't it? I've like I started playing music when I was like 16 and I only realised this summer that I've never taken a break like every summer I do festivals every year I, I'm go 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 so this time it was kind of a little bit hard to take a break but um or like it was a hard concept to take a break but I feel, yeah. feel much better for it didn't do Electric. I did Body and Soul. It was the only festival I did, and I did a couple of small ones. I went to things for the first time, which was pretty like nice for me. I I, I uh, I'm usually like all my friends are at festivals with me, but I, they're getting drunk, and I'm like running off to do another thing. So I just decided to take a little break from music, and uh, I feel all the better for it. I'm doing a lot more now. Quiet Lights was this past weekend, and you had uh, charge rather of the 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 chapel up in Griffith College where Katie Kim and Rady Pete were playing Slow Moving Clouds. And also you had a hand with the Culture Vultures panel that was happening uh, at the Roundy at 12 o'clock on the Saturday. How was the festival for you? And how, how are you feeling after the kind of the first, the first year being? Um, it was great. I played on Friday night, which I was delighted to be asked to play. And then it's a small little festival and John was doing most of the... John, Jonathan Pearson, who was on here a couple of weeks ago, uh, was doing a lot on his own. So I just offered a hand because I, I do that with Quarter Block Party. So I just took a, a little bit of time out to do some uh, organising the PAs and stuff like that. It was really, the the Griffith College concerts were just amazing and we got a really massive PA that was probably too big for the room. But it was a fantastic experience last night for the Katie Kim Brady Peace show. I was really glad that we got this massive PA and the f- atmosphere in the room was, yeah, really lovely. I was really just glad to be a part of it and glad to see it happening. We'll talk a little bit further about your involvement with festivals uh, in Cork City at the moment. But um, you're an interesting fellow when it comes to your musical roots in that you weren't necessarily from a musical family, but were just kind of compelled to take up music, really, by things that you were hearing. Maybe bring us a little bit into your pre-band musical upbringing in in that everybody knows you from the Shaker Hymn slash even going back as far as Circus Cat, but kind of... What spurred you on in the first place? Yeah, you're right. I didn't necessarily come from a musical family in that that no one in my family played music at the time. My mom picked up the Bowron after I had picked up the guitar, which so we would play a little bit, and she's played a couple of concerts with me as well. Mm. But um, yeah, I, I guess the first time that I like paid attention to music, I was really into football. That was like my only thing. And then I, Shane, who plays drums in the Shaker, him and Robbie. They uh, maybe for like a thirteenth or fourteenth birthday, I saw them playing in Shane's bedroom, and I just thought, "Wow, this is!" I didn't even know you could do this. I it just hadn't even occurred to me that that music was about people playing in a room together, and so I was really just excited by that. Um, I know that Shane's birthday is in November, so I got a guitar the following that December, and then I spent about a year teaching myself to play guitar, and I got r- just amazingly into the Beatles for that year as well. So. I, I taught myself how to play guitar by learning Beatles songs. Isn't half obvious then when you kind of take 
your music in that stock when you consider everything else that you've been involved with? Yeah, like the Beatles was where it all, like that number one, that one album that came out when we were kind of teenagers. That's yeah. what I got first and then I got deeper and deeper. And I think iPods came about around that time as well. So my iPod was full of every Beatles album and every bus journey to and from school was was about me listening to the Beatles. And and then I learned, I, I don't know, someone, maybe a, a friend of my mother's or something said, you know, you have to start writing songs next. That's the next. I'd only been playing guitar a couple of months and I was like, oh, okay. And so, I mean, I think I was saying this, I was doing that um, Culture Vultures with Tony Clayton Lee the other day, I was saying this, but I, f- I actually found a CD um, in my bedroom and it, I, at some point when I was a teenager, I had, was so embarrassed I had to try to scratch out the actual bottom of the CD. <laughs> so I have I put it on and uh, it just worked for maybe one or two of the tracks. Yeah, They're really terrible, terrible songs. But And, you know, they've got that kind of like, oh, whoa, me, teenage vibe and stuff. But I kind of, I really liked being a bit older and listening back, I can hear myself trying to deal with like just normal life stuff but in like songwriting so that was kind of cool I was like oh you little weirdo look how you've figured everything out for yourself but it was kind of nice as well so yeah I got into music just um, as a way to I don't know I started writing songs as a way to just figure out things for myself so I probably still do that but it, it was it was a really beautiful thing that I'm glad I picked up that vibe then of you just going into a room and bashing things out with your friends turned into Circus Cat Mm. and what did you learn on your first go out with the band and at what stage then does it become the Shaker Hymn what did we learn I guess we learned the main thing is we learned the craft of songwriting and the work that you put in behind the scenes Um, we would have gone we would have started that band when we were probably 16 and it was still that name and that kind of idea of a band until we were about 20 or 21 I'd say so we did five years of playing around in bars we did every um, I mean the, wor- the not the worst but the kind of oddest gig we did was part of um, a festival in West Cork but it wasn't the actual festival it was the Fringe and the bar that they had us playing in was had a pool table in the middle of it and the, we were playing in front of the cigarette machine no one wanted to be watching us we were like kind of 19 year old heavy we were just really into writing Foo Fighters type songs at that <laughs> stage and I had the the customers would just ask Shane if he'd put money into this fag machine for them Jesus um, it was one of those type of gigs so we did we did like that type of stuff we like drove around and figured out how to be to do all the hard stuff and then it turned into Shaker Him when um, we were a bit unsure of what we were doing or why we were yeah pretty much we weren't sure like what was the next step and we had felt that we were getting a hand of the whole songwriting thing in in the way that we found out who we were. We weren't sort of just trying to rip off bands that were like the Strokes and Arctic Monkeys and stuff. Um, and at the same time, me and Robbie got asked to travel over to do a tour with Chelsea Crowell, who was a friend of a friend at the time, and she came to do a tour around Ireland with um, Colm O'Hurley, who, who used to be in the band Rema. Um, I think they had some shows, but they wanted a couple more so that because Chelsea was over from Nashville, and it was the my mother ran a little bar in Tipperary in like rural Tipperary. So I rang them up and said, "Do you want to come and play in my mum's bar for the week, for the night?" And we ended up having this massive party. It was a very odd night, but from that, Chelsea said, "You guys should come over to Nashville." So 
we planned it for a couple of months and Chelsea just released her kind of second album and she was doing South by Southwest and all those type of things. So we went over and we were still sort of circus cat at this point and we were writing new types of songs that were very like influenced by what we were doing with Chelsea which was like a bit more Americana kind of um, country stuff I guess. Mm. Um, and also Cullum and Chelsea were like we played a show in um, Woodstock in the actual Woodstock Woodstock New York in Woodstock New York and we thought no one's going to show up and it was packed and there was like a theatre and everyone was hanging on me and Robbie's like every words and stuff but, and it was really funny because the people were really appreciative they, we sold out of albums that night but nearly all of them were like Circus Cat that's your that doesn't suit you guys as a name and you're like doesn't really matter it's just a name but pretty much over the next couple of weeks we decided like yeah no everyone we've met is is right Circus Cat is a terrible name and it probably does matter like we used to when we would put our bio our bio would just say four lads two three guitars one drum kit we were just like none of this whole the way you're perceived matters the music's what matters man and so we were kind of a bit bullish about that and I've, I guess that's probably when we were like, okay, let's take this a bit more seriously. Let's record an album that was, like, we came back and recorded that first album in Robbie's studio pretty fast. And we were like, let's try to get a new name and just try this whole thing properly. And where does the Shaker hymn come from specifically? Um, I, want, I wanted something kind of weirdly religious because of the tour we were doing with Chelsea was, was all the kind of Bible belt. And I was really obsessed with the tiny churches that were around the place like there's churches at the side of the road that probably hold about 10 people when you're driving around in off-road kind of areas we were in like New Orleans and Alabama and all those places so I had that kind of vibe to it and then I was uh, I was also reading a book while I was there about cults um, and so when I came back I was kind of mildly obsessed with cults and the, sh- the shakers are uh, the, I think they would probably not like to be called a cult they were, or kind of are, seen to be one of the first, I don't know, they're not necessarily a cult, but they were the first breakaway in American kind of Christianity. Um, and they have a song called The Shaker Hymn, and that's pretty much where it came from. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about The Shaker Hymn and specifically upcoming material. But first, Keelan, you have compiled a playlist for us this week. Earlier on, we heard from Yankee and Hugh Dillon, Right now we've got uh, Dahi with new single Take the Wheel. Yeah, I love this track. It's a real departure from everything Dahi was doing before and I would be quite good friends with Dahi and I'd have done live sound for him and stuff so I was really excited to hear this new kind of avenue for him and uh, yeah, I think it's just a beautiful collaboration. And you've got Landless, four-part folk harmonies with the trees they grow tall. You uh, shared the stage with them out at Sirius on Friday as part of White Life. They are just the most beautiful singers. It's really outstanding level of skill that I'd love to be able to do or I'd love to learn about harmony and writing harmony. Um, yeah, I'd love playing with them. I hope there, there was kind of talk of doing another show together. I really would like that to happen. And they're so easy about it as well because I remember just seeing them at It Takes a Village and just kind of the jostling among themselves and the, the jockeying among themselves about arrangements and just you know, being on stage and being at ease with each other. I imagine that takes time to get that when you've got such complex material to be working with and material that's that's kind of so, not not even thematically heavy, but just a lot of it has the weight of history behind it. Yeah, totally. I think there's, that's something that I love about music is that when I watch Landless, it's it's music and it's 
you know, in the in the in the way that I also appreciate old traditional Irish music and would sing a bit of it when I'm playing, kind of in pubs or stuff like that. It, but watching Landless is like it is music, but it's something completely different, and and I can kind of escape in that world or in their world, um, and it's different to seeing like you know people playing guitar doing sad boy music like me because I end up kind of going oh maybe I could learn or I could try that from them or but when something's so departed from what what you play you can really just immerse yourself in it uh, that's why I love I really loved the experience of playing with them we'll get immersed in landless momentarily but first this is Dahi with Take the Wheel here on Red on Red
Landless with the trees they grow tall here on Red on Red. Still joined in studio here by Keelan Sherlock, aka St. Keelan. And before we went to tunes, we were talking a little bit about your musical naissance. But your other major role in the Cork music scene, as everybody knows, is arts facilitation, to give it a, a, as broad a term as, as one can possibly give it. Um, you started learning the nuts and bolts of running shows and promoting the shows working with Ashling O'Reardon under the likes of Joe Kelly, uh, Stevie G, etc. at the Pavilion. How did that come together to begin with? And how do you feel that you grew as a as an arts facilitator, promoter, etc. over the course of your time there? Um, yeah, I was super lucky. So I would know Joe a long time. He would have been friends with my mom growing up. And that's how I got a, a job there in the bar when I was like the first, I was like the first glass collector in there. And there was no upstairs and stuff. So I was really lucky to get in to what I now think of as it started me on a lot of paths as a as a building or as a business or whatever. Um, so I kind of went in thinking, oh, I know loads about music and realized pretty quickly by having people like pa- Pat Conway and Stevie G and Joe there that there was a wealth of knowledge for me to gain. Um, and then because I just loved everything about what the PAV was, I was hanging out there more than anyone else really which meant that 
you know, you start being like, okay, well, will you just help out today on doing a bit of moving the stage around or whatever? And so I ended up just being around the place as much as possible. Um, I also went to Kloster Stefan Neffa and very another kind of lucky thing, which was Chloe Nagel, who was my tutor there. She's like one of the best sound engineers in, in the country. She would work with other voices every year. And she was just really good to me as well, bring, bringing me in to work on the front of house sound and let her watch, or let me watch, let me watch her doing her work. And so I learned a lot about every aspect of, of the business behind the music. Just like playing guitar and writing songs, I just became obsessed with everything that, that, that came with it. And there's a kind of a community that, you, that starts to be born out of that, which I think around the time that the PAV was kicking off, it felt like there was lots of people forming bands in this new... It was very exciting. We used to book Thursdays downstairs and it felt like there was a new band playing every Thursday. So that that whole thing just became sort of, yeah, I guess a, a, a bit of an obsession for me and I, I just wanted to be part of it. Flash forward to the literal dying hours of the pavilion and yourself and your co-conspirator, Ashley O'Reardon, are making plans. The pavilion was closing down overnight and yourself and Ashling were in the building where you decided to honour your existing commitments as promoters in other venues, thus kicking off what came to be known as the Southern Hospitality Board. Can I maybe take us into the process of rehoming those gigs, kind of forging new relationships with different venues and beginning to establish Southern Hospitality Board, Ashling and Keelan, as a thing on its own? Yeah, I guess with hindsight, I realized that it, we were just, we were very in that, it was a job to us, but it was also, it was what our life was. Me and Ashling like worked in the PAV and would spend our afternoons there when we weren't working. And we're just really in the experience of it. And we were young and learning stuff and everything was very exciting. We got to, you know, I got to work I got to stage manager of Roy Ayers show and I, so I got to meet Roy Ayers that was I just wanted that to continue and I guess Ashling did as well and we had booked some shows that we realised if the PAV wasn't there they just weren't going to come to Cork and like we were thinking very short term we wanted to bring Eamon Dunes to Cork he was on his way if the PAV closed he wouldn't be able to come so we that was our thinking was like let's just do this without the PAV um, and also I remember Joe saying like it's just a building and the you know, the things will move on and there'll be something else special. So I guess we, it was an attempt in a way to keep the special thing alive for us and for, I mean, it came as a massive shock to me and Ashling. So I guess it was sort of a, a shock decision as well. And then and then when we said we'd do it, a lot of people were just excited that, that there was something going to happen. You know, like Russ and Gano family weren't even, we had booked My Name Is John and... God knows as a, as a separate act before Russ and Gano had really come together and so that was like we want to make sure that happens as well and people were ex- super excited that we were continuing the sort of trend of what the PAV did um, and it was great it, like we again had a lot of great times and lot put on loads of good parties and had got to bring some artists to Cork that we felt like how are we doing this like um I'm trying to think. Mind Design was someone that I just like, I'll just email their agent. I bet you they'll never answer this. And then, like, suddenly he's playing in the sextant. That was, like, the night that the marriage referendum uh, came in as... I think, yeah, it was the day of the voting, so we yeah. kind of had a feeling by that night. It was either a commiseration party or a celebration party, yeah. and luckily it worked out. It, lo- it was... It was 
it was really great to have something with your like me and Ashling got to do that together and we made lots of friends through it um yeah I really loved it we're I guess we're not quite doing it as much because unfortunately it it also was a financial stress for both of us like this is probably pretty bold I shouldn't be saying it but I was on the dole after the pav finished and I, there was sometimes where I was putting on gigs but I had to like take a week's dole to pay the, a band and that was just kind of eventually that sort of drives you a bit insane because you're not eating properly but you're putting on a, a gig um, so and that's just, the experience of a lot of promoters and a lot of people that just put it all out there really to to prop up and, 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 and create a, a workable infrastructure yeah, and for also, each other it was 2013 or 14 when, yeah it's 2014 mm. so you're like right in the middle of the recession yeah. and right when people are the first thing to go is going to concerts or going is art's the first thing that they can't afford yeah um, so I think yeah it's kind of funny if, if I was if I was like 24 when we decided to do it so it just it, I didn't have anything really else to lose other than my doll yeah <laughs> but it just made sense to do it and I guess yeah and that's also I guess how Quarter Block Party came about was a similar well a similar thing about kind of the recession was there wasn't much it didn't feel like there was a lot going on in the city unless we did it mm. and and there there are arts festivals like Cork Midsummer, but it, if, it meant that because there was only like one thing or I'm trying to think of other music festivals it, it doesn't really there's a lecture picnic and stuff like that but what I'm saying is that people in, in the art and theatre and other art forms were all making work for Cork and Midsummer Festival to put a lot of pressure on that to be a festival that homed everyone mm. and so as artists we just thought like well why don't we just have another festival we'll just put another festival on we'll talk a little bit further about Quarter Block Party in just a wee bit but as Southern Hospitality Board starts taking off and there's a lot of cool things happening the Shaker Him releases its second record uh, do you think you're clever this was 2016 I yeah. You'd have been touring a good while. There would have been a lot of effort put in behind it. Kind of, how does the process differ at this stage, at a second record, with all of that experience under your belt, going into a studio and putting things down? I kind of think of that album as being the first real thing that we fully knew exactly what our voice was, where our talents lay, and how we form songs. And so there was a kind of a confidence going into recording that. Plus, we, we recorded it with Brendan Fennessy, we all would collectively be massive O Emperor fans, so we were pretty excited about it as well. Mm. Um, and there was something from a personal, like, songwriting point of view. I had picked out something that I kind of wanted to say uh, thematically or whatever. So it was kind of, it had a really strong aim to it. And I guess it had a strong release as well, and like lots of nice things happened out of it. We got to travel a lot. And there was some pretty consistent touring. Yeah, we really, like, no wonder I had to take a little a break for the summer because <laughs> we yeah. really, Shaker Him for 2016 and most of 2017 were just go, go, go all the time. You had about 26 dates one summer. Yeah, it was brilliant. I, I, like, I love touring and I guess it's why I've kind of ended up doing a solo thing as well because I love just playing music. And so while the Shaker Him is kind of currently just we're just finishing an album so but it's going to be m- m- like spring next year probably we we don't really know until we finish it mm. um that leaves a whole year of not touring and i get a bit antsy when i'm not doing stuff and there's a, like an age thing to it as well like being in your 20s and maybe some of this is to do with this kind of post recession thing but the 
there was just lots of time to be an artist or to be like I still think of Quarter Block Party as an art project that we created you know it's like the project was to see if we could make something happen on North Main Street and South Main Street that was going to change people's perception that is like that's a kind of a mad art project to bring in where it's like oh also we invite everyone to come and play and have a little party for the weekend you you need to have as much time as a sort of recession affords you you need to have like a lot of time to think about your festival not just being a festival but being its own art project as well I don't think you'd be able to do that if it was 2002 or 2003 do you think there's another recession on the way? Um, it's probably inevitable that something is going to happen, but the world is just too crazy to like figure it out um, mm. right now. And I'm trying, I'm actually, this is probably the worst thing to say, trying to pay a little less attention to it. Um, but you can't be blamed for wanting to tune out considering everything. Yeah, I just don't know if it's, um, as, a, as, a, like, as an artist or as a, yeah, there's just more to understanding the world by investing myself more in being an artist than there is having like constant political conversations about Trump and stuff. This is another thing we were talking about is like the referendum at the start of the year took so much out of us as a as people. Yeah. That like this past summer has been kind of interesting. Lots of people are just tired about just tired in general. And it's only the other day that we were talking about how Actually, that took about a year of having a conversation as as a country, and people are kind of just like need a break from conversing about such huge, grand topics. Um, Which is why we got a blasphemy referendum this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, did they push push that back? Is it not happening at the end of the year? I don't know. Maybe I see. I'm trying to tune out. So it's an excuse for cursing on the air. I just can't wait for the comedic potential that a blasphemy referendum offers. Yeah, well, I'm looking. <laughs> the presidential election looks like well, there's another be, little comedic potential. Yeah. It's just, um, well, I think Michael Lee Higgins is going to win it, but it, it's just madness. This is what I mean. People on TV are running for all sorts of running our countries. Because Trump. Well, not necessarily very confusing. Uh, you made mention of your solo project, St. Keelan, wherein you have taken songs that maybe would have been a bit of a square peg into a round hole for the Shaker hymn uh, and kind of made them your own. You mentioned that it was born out of a frustration with not touring with the Shaker hymn. But how has the process been of kind of making more of those bare bones ideas and creating the Faraway EP? Um, yeah, it was born out of not like, so I write lots of songs and you bring them to the Shaker hymn and we've been friends for so long and you trust that everyone's going to bring something great to, to this song that you're writing together. But I was saying this in a selfish way. There's some songs I write that I don't want to change anything about them. And after a while, I realized that I had enough of those songs to kind of do my own shows. I also wanted to do something solo because, and I've only realized this lately, being a musician is just part of your identity as a, if you are a musician. And some part of me being like a human also wanted to like learn how to trust myself to do all aspects of the songwriting. So it became not just like, oh, I don't want to give you these songs, but a test for myself to get better. Like, I now play the kind of, well, I don't play drums, but I play the drum machine in and the bass and I play the piano, all those things I didn't do before. And the process of trying to get an EP done made me get better as a musician. Speaking of St. Keelan, 
you're going to have some new solo material for us at the end of the show am I correct? Yeah I'm going to play an acoustic version of this new single that I I went down to West Cork to record it thinking it would just be guitars and normal stuff but it's got synths it's real sexy it's kind of sad sexy it's got it's going to have some saxophone on it soon um, but I can't recreate that so it's just going to be back to the acoustic guitar for it tonight We'll hear from St. Keelan a little bit later on We'll go back to some more tunes that you've chosen for us You've got Anamika with Arbor uh, Yeah, Anamika is one of my just favourite artists in Ireland and I'm really excited I think she should have an album coming out sometime soon as well so I'm excited to hear that She's just she. We have a thing in common I think I'd also be quite good friends with Anamika and we both have come come from a folk background with our songwriting, but are trying to pull it in the different directions. And she's doing that in a way that I really admire. And you got Laurie Shaw with Skip Period Blues off his Weird Weekends album. Yeah, Laurie Shaw is the best songwriter. I'm convinced of this. He's just an underrated. I don't know why he's not as as I don't know as big as. I don't know who would be as big as, but he's just a fantastic songwriter. Lots of people are saying that lately. Yeah. So I don't know why people sleep it on him too much anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I read that there was an article about like why is Larry Shaw not as big as he should be or something, and uh, the, the article made some points about. I'm not too sure. Like maybe if he was from Dublin or maybe if he did. I was like, do you know what? I think it's because Larry Shaw is an artist and he doesn't really care too much about if he's if everyone knows about him or not. Earlier when you were talking about, you know, not doing much in the way of a press bio because, mm. you know, it was all about the music, man. I think he's a little bit in that school of thought. But the further you get into this as a creator, as a facilitator, as someone involved in the infrastructure, that is just another facet of personal storytelling that you have. The ability to put together a bio that will catch people's attention, but would also not be overly formal, not overly wanky, etc. That it's mm-hmm. just, I've done this here's why you should care yeah and I think it's one of those kind of things that once he kind of finds a narrative for himself that he's comfortable with mm-hmm. uh, to, to kind of complement the music etc it's going to be something that's going to stand to him so much well I think what's interesting is that the narrative's being written for him and I don't know if he's doing that on purpose or not but it's if he is it's clever because he's just released so much music that eventually everyone else has to say well, his narrative is he's the guy who's not going to do it because he's he's too focused on the music. We're currently doing it right now. We certainly are. And that article that we read, and that's like that's the best way to do it. It is the yeah. rock and roll myth making machine isn't dead after all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, we'll hear from Laurie in just a moment. But right now, this is Anamika with Arbor here on Red on Red. Resting in a restless seat This heavy curtain moves No place for me The king's feet And his broken speech Those were dark days In this field Coffee press, red basket dreams Hungry that still it seems Oh, our vines press so red brick thin 
ballerina who looked just like Kate Bush and she could sing Wuthering Heights dead good mind you you were smoking drugs that night oh in the grizzly between weeks between summer and September 1st time was gonna do its worst to you Kids converge cause some had done Fourth year and some had not And then you met a boy who didn't take himself as serious He's a way out, is he, from your mum's depression And your dad's redundancy Oh yeah, he makes you feel special Cause he blushes when he talks to you Now there is another He's a little bit older He knows his culture And he says so sweetly to you Yeah, he says Be a down in Reno 
Pre-first time on olden hands You've grown too fast And now you've landed smack bang In the middle of skip period blues You're back at Red on Red Still joined in studio by Keelan Sherlock A.K.A. St. Keelan And just before we went to tunes there We were talking about the development of not only your solo material, but of Quarter Block Party, the festival that you, alongside Ashling O'Riordan, help oversee the music billing for, but also you help, you kind of have a hand in overseeing the general uh, yeah, bill of fare. Um, you've talked a little bit about its beginnings as an arts project, etc., with the with the intention of kind of livening up the city's historic spine, to give it its official title. Mm. Um, and it's really taken off. I mean, like. I'm not blowing smoke up your hoop. It's my favourite festival. <laughs> Thank like, you. Like, at all. And it's been a joy to see how it's developed over the years. Kind of maybe take us into the finer details of how the idea came about. Um, yeah, it's kind of a funny one. I don't... I was working with a theatre company while I was working in the PAV. And the theatre company was called Makeshift Ensemble. And when we were do, writing new shows and stuff like that and getting involved... We were also quite a young theatre company trying out kind of things you know we were learning how to write shows and all that kind of stuff but through that we 
found that there was a lack of certain infrastructures that we needed as a theatre company. So one of them was a place to work. So we did a thing called Quarter, which was a three-month um, residency in this room and, and we would use it to work and we invited other artists to come work. And then at the end, we threw a kind of a, a closing party. So it was like quarter of a year, it was quarter of a building and it was in a certain quarter of the city. And the when we finished it up, we were like, so this building was quite good, but really what we need, the festival was the thing that was the highlight or highlighted that what people needed was more things during the year to make work for. Lots of theatre and artists were making work just for, as I said, Cork Midsummer, and it's just not big enough a festival to put everyone who writes theatre or writes music or any kind of contemporary art. Mm. And so we also thought that the festival that we had put on had a different collection of style of artists. Um, and so we wanted to do that again, so we applied for some funding to do... Then it moved into the Triscoll, so we so we kept the name Quarter, and we did four of them in a year, so it was every quarter. Hey. And that was really nice, the exact thing we wanted happened. We Different people were coming down from Dublin, from Galway, we were meeting different types of artists. We would begin the day with it it was always one day every three months in the Triscoll Arts Centre and we'd begin the day with a discussion and be some work of art theatre and then some music and then some DJs and so the idea was that you'd stay for the whole day and you'd catch a bit of everything and that was really good got to kind of open ourselves to different types of work and we learned how to program stuff while that was happening um, again similar story to Southern Hospitality Board it economically wasn't viable to put loads of work into something and make no money out of it personally. Um, and so the idea of quarter block party came about because the quarter events had gotten to a size that there was something interesting happening and people were interested, but it wasn't worth us putting some every three months doing all this work for. Um, and so the balance was, well, let's do something bigger. <laughs> once a year. Once a year. And then again, we tried to keep the theme of quarter and we chose to just move it as a Triscoll Art Centre and into the sort of historic spine as it's known now, which is sort of North Main Street, South Main Street, and that technically goes up to Barrack Street and up Shandon Street, which we'd love to um, put more events on those two streets if we could. If we can do it this year, we probably will, but whether it's viable. I mean, we do use the Firkin Crane, which is, Sh- is Shandon, which is kind of the uh, the top of the of the neck of <laughs> the historic spine, if you will. Um, so yeah, was, we did it four years ago, four and a half years ago was the first one. Really didn't know what we were doing. We took everything that me and Ashley knew about booking stuff in the PAV and Irish artists and who would kind of sell tickets and who, if they weren't going to sell tickets, you know, maybe book someone that will pay for them. Kind of that was our thinking. Similar, uh, we worked with Esther, who was the um, person that I ran the theatre company with. So we kept the idea of trying to bring theatre and art into it. And then outside of my involvement, Esther and Rory had worked with um, Cork Midsummer Festival on a thing called Solstice. I remember seeing that. Yeah, it happened twice Mm. in the middle of Cork Midsummer. And the thing with Solstice was it was far upcoming contemporary artists, dance, theatre makers, um, visual artists and stuff. So it was, they were curating... For you, for new young artists and stuff like that. So we kind of took a bit of that, their experience, and we, and Rory came on board, and so we became a team of four that were trying to do something new and exciting. I remember like our meeting was 
like how what are what is quarter block party and the words were like sexy cool young hip real 24 year old like just we don't know what we're doing but we just wanted to make something that felt kind of exciting and we weren't sure how to do it but if we just called it exciting and sexy maybe something cool would come out of it and it did i mean it all fell into place as we saw the first year of it it was really well critically received the community responded very very well to it subsequent installments of the quarter block party have you know been received just as well and have built on what was created in that first year you're now heading into year five um, next year in the second week of february with the festival kind of put in the public consciousness not only of cork city but on a national basis where you'll turn up on national listings and it really does kind of put a spotlight on cork city during a quiet time of year never mind on the local level putting a spotlight on the on, on the historic spine um where next for it you know, where can it be taken next? You talked a little bit about maybe bringing it up Shannon Street on a local level. And then in terms of creatively, you know, is it going to be like a response to the changes that are happening to the city centre in terms of infrastructure? Or Yeah, that is, that's a really good question. We're kind of only having that chat now because, first of all, as a keeping it just in terms of it being a festival, you have to make sure that people are still excited by it as an event. And so I would feel... I'm kind of speaking on behalf of people that I haven't really discussed this way, but the rest of the team, I would feel that you kind of have to change it up every so often, otherwise the thing gets stale. Um, it's a pretty complicated festival because its identity is that it, it, it takes place on North Main Street, and that is a very, to me, there's working class history, a lot of Cork um, heritage is about the place. So it's very... You, you want to keep to the roots of why you why you in, intended to put it on North Main Street in the first place. But you also have to make things exciting, and I mean you have to make it financially viable, which means finding venues. Like we use venues on North Main Street and South Main Street that often don't have um, what you need to put a performance on, so that becomes quite expensive as well. And we had some dance shows last year that um, because the Ferkin Crane wasn't up operational we had to like create a new dance venue they had some restoration work going on up there um, and so those things we learn every year and it's sometimes can be quite an expensive learning but so we're, we have to keep those things in mind and try bring something super exciting at the same time so there's like a lot of pressure where it's going to go next I'm not sure but I do think it'll probably spread a little bit out of that quarter of Cork um, as I was saying, I'd love for it to go up Shandon Street um, because it's just another part of the city that has a, a very interesting um, heritage and a lot of there's a lot of stories to be sort of gathered from there um, and maybe down onto the Key Co-op as well where you've got a lot of um, history and there's just there's stories to be found out about Cork City and I'd love to use Quarter Block Party as a vehicle to find those to find those stories. That's the intention. In between all of this, in between Shaker Him, St. Keelan, running gigs, the responsibilities that come with block that come with quarter block party, you somehow have time for yet more side projects. And most recently you've been playing in The Creeps, which is a sort of is zombie show band quite the word for it? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is really. The Creeps was um I guess it's like a cabaret act. Mm. Um, it started because 
the Cork Jazz Festival was coming up and we were kind of having, I don't know, it was also the same time as like the Weinstein thing was happening and the Me Too thing was happening. And so we were having a conversation, uh, some of us who are in the creeps now, about pretty much the background of all the classic kind of crooners being a bit, um, you know, the history of rock and roll is is, is pretty... Um, foul. Foul, yeah. I guess that's <laughs> the best word. I was trying to find a safe word to use. It's pretty foul. Um, and yet, you know, it's a pretty complicated thing to talk about. It's a complicated idea for a band, but, but I love Frank Sinatra. I just, I think he's the best singer of all time. And I've always loved singing Sinatra. And so this was kind of like a way to say let's do this type of band where we do cabaret and we do have a lot of fun and make make those type of songs less serious while kind of acknowledging the background of of Dean Martin and uh, Sinatra and Roy Orbison and and then you get into the lyrical content of a lot of those kind of pop songs uh, things like I Drove All Night which is a song we do a cover of um, yeah you just get into kind of a sketchy area when you really like pay attention to the lyrics of like um, Neil Sedaka's Sweet Sixteen and stuff like Pursuit, that. Pursuit, yeah. Um, and like as a songwriter, it's something that I'm also like interested in, and like interested in trying to write different types of songs that aren't necessarily just always um, putting like beautiful women on a pedestal, and then like you know, there's a, there's something that's like I'm interested in the basis of songwriting, and that's how the Creeps came about because we were kind of joking about that and said. Well, let's turn that into a band. Let's turn that entire conversation into a band. You also look the bop off of the husband from that couple that's been turning up in those It Takes a Village videos. <laughs> um, can you confirm or deny that you are one half of Fanula and Derek? <laughs> Fanula and Derek, I... I'm only asking, I'm not the only person that's been talking about this. <laughs> um, I do know Derek quite well. All right. Never been seen in the same room as him. <laughs> I find that highly suspicious. Fanula and Derek came because Joe Kelly, who runs It Takes a Village, who I worked with, would have worked with in the PAV, he saw the creeps and he was organising Chibog and there's that, there's that obvious like 70s throwback thing. Mm. And so he called me and he said, could you do the creeps character? What's his name? And I said, oh, I don't know what his name is. And we came up with a name which is Derek Starr. And he's a kind of a um, show band wannabe kind of singer. Um, and he's Star's not his real name right that's his stage name it's a stage name yeah um, yeah so I don't know it was kind of a funny thing and I guess this is kind of a funny thing but I often get told after shows that I should do comedy it's not necessarily something I'm always keen on hearing because I there's some shows I've done to uh, maybe 10 people and to make a, a good experience I kind of I like telling stories between songs and stuff people always finish, go oh you're so gas. And I think like <laughs> that's nice, but we listening to the songs. That's like that's why I'm there is to play the songs, whatever. Yeah. So I have a double. I have a. It's a double edged sword, I guess, which is trying to make people enjoy the show and make it a, a different experience to normal gigs by telling them stories. Um, it's the way you tell them. Yeah. So I ended up doing this Derek and Fanula thing for It Takes a Village, which is um, we kind of me and Shannon is my housemate, and she is a fantastic actress. And she's in the new Shukra video. I think she really steals the show with her 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's kind of got a kind of a kitsch 70s housewife character that she does. 
Actually, she does drag with the Machia Knights. She's um, she does a drag act called Maud Gone Wrong. Is that uh, her? Yeah, and the very first time I met uh, Shannon was at a party, and I said, "Oh my God, you look like." Uh, if Maud Gone listened to hip hop, <laughs> that was the first conversation we ever had. So we've we've kind of had that kind of like, I don't know, banter. I guess is the word. Um, banter, Kate. And then we yeah, so we created these characters that are kind of like kitsch seventies. They're a bit. I don't know what we're going to do with them. We're we're looking at we talk about doing a lot of stuff. We've been kind of half offered a comedy slot in a in a venue, but it's yeah, it's just another. You're like, am I going to get into comedy? I don't think so. I think that's a far cry from what I'm meant to do. I don't think in terms of like, it's not necessarily that people wouldn't take you seriously and that you have a very serious message and a very serious way of putting it across. It's just that you're such a bon vivant, people kind of just pick up on that from you. I don't know, like, is that something that ne- is necessarily falling wide of the mark? But, I mean, you have a certain way of putting people at ease. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, that's kind of a hard one. I don't know. It's just, I, like, I, it's part of putting on a show, I think, is like having an eye certain type of identity of what people expect I know that people expect from a Shaker Him show one certain thing mm-hmm. and I when it comes to doing a St. Keelan thing I just want to make sure that it's a, a little bit different yeah and um, storytelling is obviously the the I wouldn't say the easiest way but certainly the path of least resistance in that situation yeah I, yeah, I agree I also love trying to like we were talking about writing bios a while ago I love making sure that like blurring what is you being an artist and what is you doing other stuff so like my bio instead of being like I played in this place or I played in that place is like a list of my actual jobs that I've had like I used to be a potato picker for a while and I the <clears> amount <throat> of stories on you that have been built on that on on, yeah. on that presser <laughs> it's really funny so I just wanted to make make it be like oh there's no difference between this person and that person when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the St. Keelan experience and hear some new music. But first, we're going to go to some more tunes. You have Lolek with new single, Some Way Out. Mm. I feel like everyone I'm, I've brought here, I'm like, they're the most underrated band in the country. But Lolek are one of the best live bands I've seen in the last year. They've really gone from strength to strength. And, and they uh, don't get the love they deserve. They don't. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why that is. Um because maybe they've been around I don't know they're just so good everyone get on Lolek they're brilliant Aaron McGowan is a true wizard he really is we'll hear from Lolek momentarily but you also have The Altered Hours with Grey on Blue The Altered Hours are like um, the bands that you know is it the Velvet Underground that that people say everyone who saw them started the band yeah that's what like I think of that as The Altered Hours Um, they just they're cool they're cool people and like they do have that effect people have done gone off and done different things because they've seen that the Altered Hours can do it yeah I've done different things because I've seen the Altered Hours they're great at just doing what they want to do and somehow being like better than everyone else at the act of doing what you want to do I don't even think they're thinking about that it's just like here we are yeah they wouldn't This this is where we want to be at this is something that scrapped our fancy here it is they're true they're like proper rock and roll stars like when you see them walking around Cork City you think like yeah, man. <laughs> you can't take away from presents, can you? <laughs> no, they got it. We head straight into it, but first, this is Lolek with Some Way Out here on Red On Red. Gotta be on.
The Altered Hours with Grey on Blue here on Red on Red. About to wrap up this week's episode of the show with Keelan Sherlock, a.k.a. Seeing Keelan. But before we go to a live rendition of some new material, uh, Keelan, what else have you got coming up for the rest of the autumn slash winter? Um, actually, it's mainly just finished recording things. So I'd say 2019 will be a super busy one. I'll have the Shaker Him album finished. I'll have the St. Keelan one should be done December, January. So it's just, it's one of those years where you're like, um, put, I'm just putting the time into recording. So I'd say next year will be a pretty busy one for being on the road. For somebody that's so antsy to get things done all the time, how do you kind of manage to keep yourself sane during those cycles of lots on, not on, lots on, not um, on? I found a new uh, love, which is painting. Ooh. Yeah, I love painting now. Um, so yeah, I'm putting loads of time into just painting and that keeps you kind of calm while you're and that's not touring. And has it been something that you've been dabbling with? I mean, it's not something I'm like good at or I'm going to do. It's just something that's kind of for me and it's the, it feels like the same as playing guitar when I was 16. It's something that I'm like, oh, I can see myself getting a little bit better at it and it's very calming and takes you away from the world. How do you get over the fear of picking up something new at age 29, 30? Um, you just kind of need something, I guess. It's better than the fear of not picking anything up ever again. Yeah. You know? Um, so, yeah, you got to... It's the same as anything. Like, I I didn't... This is kind of stupid, but I, I couldn't cook until about two two years ago. And you have to actually go out and say, okay, I'm going to get better at this thing. You know, I still have it with music in, in every way, um, but you do need something to turn your, your brain off. Otherwise, you'll just go crazy thinking about music constantly. We get into it some? Yeah. Perfect. Cool. Um, Keelan Sherlock, thanks a million for coming out and chatting with us this evening and giving us some new tunes. Uh, maybe introduce us to the new song and kind of take us through the songwriting. Um, yeah. Uh, so this is called Dream About the Night Again. Um, I'm going to play a kind of an acoustic version. Uh, the single should be out maybe in the next month. Um, and yeah, it's a... I don't really know. It's kind of one of those journey songs um, written on a, after following a walk through Cork City late at night and just kind of reminiscing a little bit. Um, and yeah, it's changed from this kind of folk, I don't know, maybe this not folk, but singer-songwriter type, type thing that I'm going to do right now um, to a kind of a, a, a groovy synth-based tune. Um, so I'm pretty excited to get that out as well. But yeah, this is you kind of hear the origins of the song in this version. And we'll hear the new single stripped down to its bass elements here on Red on Red, Cork's new music podcast from redfm.ie. Thank you very much for listening. And if you like what you're hearing, please take the time to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and now Google Podcasts as well as other platforms. Share this on your social media and make sure to check out the artists featured online or an upcoming gig. And if you'd like more Irish tunes, please be sure to listen in to Green on Red on Sunday nights with Alan O'Donovan for the best of all that is Irish on Cork's Red FM, 104 to 106. This is St. Keelan, live in studio with Dream About the Night Again. This has been Red on Red, and we'll talk to you next week. Wiping away the tears Working away the hours Coming apart at the seams
You know I'd rather tear the place apart Worrying myself to sleep Washing the sleep right off I curse at the TV screen You're just an LED that kills the art Make me make believe Make me want to dream again Make me feel the need To dream about the night again Beyond where the city ends Where the virgin statues watched us kiss There's a sky full of shaking stars And a river filled with grinning fish All I can think to share with you Is how your heart is shaped like a fist Make me make believe Make me want to dream again Make me feel the need To dream about the night again Make me feel the need Make me want to dream again Make me feel the need To dream about the night again Dream about the night again Thank you very much. <laughs> red on red.